can't be put out. That's the whole point of that. So our job is to keep hitting the flint and keep hitting the flint and keep hitting the flint. But it's easy to step back and go, man, it's just not fire. It's just not fire. So I'm just going to walk away or I'm going to step back or I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to seek that anymore. But that's not what he's saying. He goes, just keep hitting it. Just keep hitting it. Because what do they do when they're hitting on it? They're getting a spark. They breathe on it. Right? So they got that thing and they spark it up and then they breathe on it. And all he's saying is give me a spark because I'm ready to breathe on it. And if he breathes on it, it won't stop. That fire will light inside of you and everywhere you go, you will glow and you will do what he, you, he wants you to do. And that's going to change everything. It changes everything in and around you. So my goal as a pastor, as somebody who loves you, is to try to let you understand that in the best way. Because I don't want to be the same tomorrow as today. I don't want to be the same next year as today. We should constantly be growing, right? And if you sit there and go, well, I'm the same place I was last year, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. And I will never be able to look at you in the eyes and say, I didn't give you an opportunity. But that's you. You have to breathe into this. You have to keep hitting the flint. You have to drive deeper to him. You've got to spend time with him. So I just be real with you. Like, I can only do so much. I can only share so much. I can only create so much. There's a moment in time when you got to say, it's time to strike the flint. It's time to hit it. And if you just stare at it, (laughs) it don't light on fire, y'all. And I can tell you to strike it, but eventually there's a time when you got to do something about it. So there's an ownership on you. And if you say, well, I'm the same as last year, take ownership and say, what didn't I do that God told me to do? What opportunities did I not take because I was fearful to take them or it was uncomfortable or it stretched me? Can I tell you this? Stretching's for real. I hate stretching. I hate stretching. And I'm an athlete, which sucks. Because I'd rather just go out and go 100 miles an hour and tear something. I don't know why. Like, I could literally spend an hour and stretch and I'll be perfectly fine. But you know what I don't like about stretching? It takes time. And it hurts. (laughs) Right? But because of that, if I stretch enough and I spend enough time doing it and and I'm stretching, I get more flexible. Right? And now I don't have the pain. Right? All of a sudden the pain's gone. All that pain that I experienced when I try to just do it without that is gone, right? So stretching is good for us, but it hurts. It's uncomfortable, right? So my goal is to give you opportunities to be stretched. Your job is to say, do I want to stretch or do I want to wait till it's painful? Because there's a recovery time when it's painful. Because when you pull something, it hurts. And now all of a sudden you're slower than you were in the first place, right? Come on, I've run around the bases and tore something before, huh, Rich? Yes, you have. It's because I didn't stretch. I go out there, I'm like, come on, I'm just as young as these other young guys. Right? It doesn't work that way because I don't know how to slow down. I go one speed. And even if you don't get, put it this way, even if you don't pull something or injure something, the next day you know you did stretch. The next day you're like, I got muscles where I didn't think I had muscles. Right? We went out and played basketball this last summer in September, and I just went out on the court and started shooting. And I was like, I'm... And man, I was hitting them. I'm like, this is great. And the next morning I was like, I was like, what happened to me? I'm like, these are things that I haven't used in a long time, right? Well, I believe that's the same way spiritually. Remember, he breathed life into us, right? There was a time where all we did was worship and dance with him. All we, and then he breathed life. He, he sent us here. So what we do is that we haven't experienced it in so long that when we do it, it hurts a little bit. 
Well, then you have a choice when it hurts a little bit. You go back to the gym or you stay home. <laughs> that's my problem. Like, 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 that's why I don't go to the gym. The only gym I know is him. He's the only gym I know. Um, because when I go to the gym, I, I push myself and it hurts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go back there. That's no fun. Well, same thing spiritually. When you push yourself spiritually, man, there's some sacrifices. There's some stuff you're going to make. It's not going to be comfortable. But he's just saying, don't give up. Don't give up. I want to take you to the next level. I need to take you to the next big thing. Like this is from glory to glory to glory, right? So we should never be the same. We should not be satisfied right now. Can I tell you this? If you go back five years to where our church was and where it is now, I can give you two things that, that are very smooth, that are very clear about this. We are smaller in, in, in the depth, in the size of our congregation. We no longer have two services. But can I tell you, we're deeper spiritually than we've ever been. And I can see that because I'm the one that's got to talk to you all. Because anybody can come in here and put a face on, but I'm the one that usually ends up talking to you. Right? And then I get all the good stories and I hear what's going on and I hear how prayers work and I hear how studying work and I hear how fasting works. I hear all these things that's do, that you're doing that, that makes you stronger than those other two services ever were. Does that make sense? Yes. To me, that's a foundation. Okay, it won't, okay I'm just going to keep going. I'm, I'll get to scripture in a second. That's a foundation. Right? So, so what happens is what he showed me, he showed me a vision uh, about three years ago. I wrote it. It was funny. I pulled out my my journal because I, I've got two favorite journals I get to write in and one is like halfway full the other one is like maybe a quarter way full and I pulled out my journal and I started reading some of the stuff and some of the visions uh, that God had given me and he gave me one of a mantle but it wasn't like a like a fireplace mantle it was this hydraulic mantle it was literally I've got a drawing of it where it was this pipe and off the pipe were several little pipes off the pipe and it was a hydraulic mantle right and I was like, cool, man. Like, what did I write about that? Then I started reading about what I wrote. And, and what it was was that, and this is so funny because I just heard this uh, and it brought it back to mind because I, I saw that and I pictured that and I didn't understand why God let me see that again and, and it sparked another fire inside of me. And then what I realized is that the mantle was strong. It was made of steel, right? And it could handle anything. It could handle a deeper flow than we would ever have. So basically, sometimes we use hydraulic hoses. I worked on airplanes for a long time. And when you put a hydraulic hose on an airplane, you're constantly checking it for cracks and breaks because you got 4,000 PSI of hydraulic fluid going through these hoses. So if there's a leak, if there's a pinhole leak, it actually cuts a hole in the metal, right? So, so you're looking at these hoses and you're like, you're like, man, I gotta check this hose. Can it handle more flow? Can it handle more pressure? And what the Lord's saying, I want to bring more flow, but guess what? You got to reinforce the mantle. You got to reinforce what's going on because you won't handle the flow. So he gave us that five years ago. Before he even gave me that, he said, I'm ready to shift some things. I'm ready to, fill, to build a foundation because I need strong people. I need people that understand kingdom, that understand who they are, that understand their sons and daughters. Because when I start bringing people to you, there has to be an answer. Like this just can't be a, this can't be like an emergency room where people just come in and sit down and stay hurt. You know, my dad went to the emergency room this week because he couldn't breathe. And they literally put him on a cart and put him in the hallway because they're too full. Can I tell you, that's what I think our churches look like. They're so full of hurt people and they're not supposed to be that way because if we knew we were sons and daughters, when they walk in, they would be healed. Right, because we can take the authority to go do what needs to be done and lay hands on them and pray on them and love on them and then healing comes. 
But when you see people that are sick and they're in the, in the hallway because they don't have any rooms, churches can end up like that. And God says, I'm going to give you a solid foundation. So when I bring in people that are hurt, there's a way for them to get healthy. And it's through him. He wants to operate through us to them. Okay, that's why this whole thing wasn't just about salvation. Well, we put a lot of stuff on church about this is about salvation. Salvation is huge. But that's the first step. That's not the only step. That's, that's the beginning, not the end. Right? So once you understand that, once you understand who you are, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden the fruits of the Spirit start coming out of you, and things start changing in you, now we start going, Lord, what's next? Because I've only got so much time on this earth and there's only so much that I can do as a person. So, Father, use me. And we're either going to sit back and let everything else happen in the world and let the enemy have his way or we're going to go out and do something about it. Right? But you can't do anything about it if you don't truly understand the authority you have in you. That's why I'm excited about Africa. You go over there, you tell these kids that they're princesses and, and, and princes and, and, man, they're sons of a king and they have authority. They take it. They go. Like, they start praying over, and you're like, holy cow, this was easy. It should be that easy, right? So what I know is there's a new flow coming. There's more pressure coming. So he's going to probably back us up and say, let's, let's strengthen some things. Let's reinforce some stuff. Let's get back into some stuff. Let's get stronger so that we can handle what he's ready to do. Because sometimes we'll move too fast. Sometimes we'll, we'll take a hard right and we'll just go too fast, right? So sometimes you've got to take a step back and say, all right, Lord, reinforce that. Because I don't want it to fade away. I don't want to blow a hose. I don't need to damage. But I need something that can handle what you want us to do, right? So that's what we're going to do is try to reinforce. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's what he gave me with a spark. And for some of us, we're already on fire. That's the, that's the, that's the cool part. For some of us, man, he is, we've sparked it up. He's blown into it. We're on fire. Like we're ready to change the world. But the cool part is we also have people that, that are still, they're still sparking at it, man. They're still smashing the flint. They're still going, which means their heart is in it. They're going, they're going, they're going. They're getting all these encounters, but something just hadn't caught yet. So for those people, keep going. Don't stop. Give him an opportunity to breathe on it, right? How do you do that? Draw closer to him. Give him more time of your day. Make him a priority, right? Quit taking, quit, quit putting the world over him, right? So if you haven't seen that change and you just keep striking and you're just feeling it every once in a while, breathe into it a little bit. Give him time to breathe into it. Find yourself resting at his feet. Ah. And then there's a lot of people that, that aren't even there yet. So they're still trying to find the spark. So my job is to feed into the people that are trying to figure out what a spark is, but also feed into the people that are on fire and I got to keep dumping stuff on them because God wants to take it to a whole nother level, right? And we're all going to go at the, our own speed, right? So we're all going to change at our own speed. What happened to me, I believe happened pretty quickly, Right? And there's some people that, that it takes a whole lot longer. And there, I've seen some people that is like this, snap of a finger. They're different. Right? So I, I think there's, there's a process we got to stay in, but it's going to take you not tuning out, staying tuned in. Right? Staying tuned in, staying focused and saying, Lord, what do you want? Lord, what do you want? Lord, what do you want? Lord, I want more of you. 
and then find times and ways to do that. That's why we're going to give you opportunities to do that. I see all kinds of stuff coming with that. All right, so that's what he gave me with a spark. There is scripture today if I get to it. I'm just sharing what he put on my heart right now. You judge it. I, I really don't care. <laughs> like, I got to give you what he gave me this morning. Um, and then I'll get into scripture. Um, but here's the thing. He also showed me a chess game. He showed me a chess game. And this started in the beginning of the week. And I'm a chess player. Any chess players out there? I love chess, man. There's strategy in chess. Oof. I like me a good chess game where I can sit down and just strategically move things and then take somebody out. I like to win. I can't help it. Most of the times I let you look like you're winning. I let you get all excited and then I just come in and boom. And I'm like, game over, checkmate. Right? So, but what I started thinking about this, this chess game and I said, well, Lord, why are you keep putting this on my heart? Because it's all throughout the week and in my prayer, in my alone time. Um, and what he showed me was that every piece on the board has a different value. Right? So he says, every piece on the board has a different value. And he started showing me the pawn, right? And he said, the pawn can move one way unless he takes somebody. He can move, uh, you know, one spot or he can take to the right. Unless you start off with him, you can, you can go two spots. But either way, his purpose is straight ahead. Unless he's taking something, it's straight ahead. He doesn't move much. Very predictable. Like when you see a pawn on a board, you pretty much know where he's going to go. You don't have to think hard about that, right? So if you don't play chess, just trust me. Right? So this pawn's out there. And I believe when I think about a pawn, I think the value of a pawn, valuable, they're in the game. They protect you. They're on the front lines. They're going at it. Right? They're, they're going head to head. The problem is when two pawns meet head to head, nobody wins. Right? So it's a stalemate right there until somebody else takes it. Okay? Then you go to um, like a bishop and a bishop is the one that can go diagonal. Right? So there's a lot of power there when, now you can't go straight ahead. See, your job isn't, your job is to catch somebody at an angle. So you got a different approach to things. Like the enemy doesn't see you straight on because you're coming at them from an angle. That's how I see that. I see the bishop moving far. Uh, they can go as many spaces as they want in one angle. Right? So I think upon the enemy saying, I know right where you're at and you're going to fight me. Right? And I think we got a lot of pawns in Christians. We're in the game. That's cool. You made it to the game. That's salvation. You're in the game. You might be a pawn. And you know how to go straight forward, which is fine. You know how to confront the enemy, which is fine. But then you kind of sit there until somebody takes the enemy out for you. Because if he's right in front of you, you don't see it. Then you got the bishops, and some people have progressed to a bishop. Where all of a sudden, man, you're just out of nowhere shooting across the, the game table and you're taking, you're taking stuff out and you're taking ground and people didn't even see it coming, right? So that's a different power of the game. It's a different player in the game, right? And I think people progress to that. I think the more you're in this, the more you believe, the more faith we have, the more understanding we have, the more identity we have, all of a sudden you step your game up, Right? So I think then we go to, well, you have the knight. The knight's kind of in between there. That's the horse looking one. <laughs> and that can only move in an L shape. So it's like really weird. Like if you don't pay attention to a knight, they get you. Yeah. Right? Because you, you're like, you're counting these little L's. Two spaces up, one space over. Either way, two spaces up, one space over. So it's confusing game. But when you're looking at that knight, you, if you don't have your eyes on it, man, it'll get you. It'll sneak it. And I think that's another value added even in our walk. And this is what he's showing me. I'm sorry, he gave me a chess game. 
And he's showing me that some people are a knight. And they have that capability, man, where, where they're, ready to, they're ready to go. Like, you don't know where, where they're going. You, you got to pay attention to them because, man, they'll take you out because you, you didn't look at them hard enough. Right? So I think the enemy has to worry about the knight because sometimes, oh, man, I didn't see that. You know, the bishop, you can sit there and go, they're going to come all the way across the table and get me. <laughs> but the knight, that's real close. It's more like, more like hand-to-hand combat because you're closer. The bishop can take the long-range shots, but that knight... And believe it or not, it goes pawn, knight, and then bishop. Then you got the rook. And the rook is that castle-looking one that can go all the way across the board, up and down or sideways. It can't go diagonal, right? Rook's powerful. Covers a lot of ground. Can go right or left and up and down and straight ahead and backwards. That's powerful. Okay, and I think some of us get in that rook thing and all of a sudden we're, we, we can move. Like we're flexible, uh, we see things in front of us. We th- see things behind us. We th- see things to our right and to our left. And we know how to operate in that. Right? We know, how to, we, we know how to go straight forward and operate in that. Every one of these has a function. Every one of these has a function in the game. And I believe we are all created differently in the body. And we're all progressing in the body where all this comes to a head. And we're growing in that. So we start out as pawns. And next thing you know, we're, you know, we're knights. And then we're bishops. And then we're rooks. Right? And we know the king, well, the, the king, believe it or not, is the most valuable piece on the table because he's the king. Like if that doesn't tie into anything in the Bible, I'm sorry. But the king is the king. And now the king says, I'm only gonna, I can only go one spot at a time, one space at a time, but I can go in any direction. The pawn can't go backwards, right? But the king can go anywhere he wants, but the king's like, I don't care because I got my queen. And the queen can pretty much do anything on the board. She is the most powerful piece on the board to make moves and do things. Well, when you have a king and a queen together, look that up. That means they're married, which means the bride of the king is the most powerful piece in the game. And this is what he showed me. He goes, when you understand you're a bride of a king, he goes, I'm going to do things in the kingdom with you that nobody can stop. And you'll be the most valuable thing. Problem with that is the enemy comes at you. The first thing I'm looking for in a chess game is the queen. If I can knock the queen out, I can knock it all out. I can win the game. I can just take my time and pick things apart. So the enemy's coming after the queen. I'm telling you, the enemy's coming after the bride. So when you accept that that invitation to be the bride that you are, when you start understanding that you're the bride of Christ, accept the fact that the enemy's coming. But understand that the power of the enemy is nothing compared to you nothing usually the only way you get the queen is because you got tricked into it (laughs) right because you see the enemy coming the enemy just doesn't take out the queen right but you get tricked into it so we got to keep our eyes open moving forward so he gave me this whole thing about this 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 chest thing and it wouldn't get off my heart and i just believe we have people in this family that are pawns which is awesome we have and we have people at every level but the goal is to become the queen to become the bride. When you understand that, could you imagine if I had a chess game with all queens? Good luck. Right? So if we could have all brides in here, people that truly understand you're the bride of Christ in this house, the authority you have, we change the world now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to worry. We just go do it. (sighs) So he gave me that. Some of that, the rest of it just came out. Uh. 
So we should be striving, and not in a bad way, striving to become a bride. Striving to understand that. Getting closer to him. Catching on fire. Just all that same stuff, man. Encountering him. Transformation. Um, man, getting lit up on fire. Let that fire burn. Feed the fire. Next thing you know, you truly understand who you are. Right? Don't let the enemy speak to your head and tell you you're not. Like once, once you're a chess piece, you're a chess piece. Can I tell you that? Once you're in the game, you're in the game. Enemy can't take you out. Got to understand that. Like you're in the game. There might be times when you're not playing in the game, but you're a chess piece. (laughs) Your identity has already changed, right? Same thing in the kingdom. Like when he claims you, you're his. Mm. When you submit to that, you're his. Okay, I want to talk about Peter. Because Peter went through this. Peter went through a season in his life where, um, I'm not there yet, but you can leave it up there. I might get there, I don't know. Um, but Peter went through a season in his life where things changed rapidly for him multiple times, right? And if you know who Peter was, Peter, I relate to Peter because Peter was just a fisherman, right? That's all he was. He, he was a fisherman. He was kind of a fighter, right? He had boldness. I mean, Peter would fight anybody. I think my favorite, if you watch the Chosen shows, I like the Chosen shows. Uh, when you watch those, those shows, I like watching Peter on there because the first thing they show him doing is, you know, trying to trick people out of money in a, in a battle, <laughs> in, a, in a fighting game, you know. But that's just, it, they portray him well because I'm thinking, okay, this is the guy, athletic looking, kind of strong, not scared of anything, will do anything, right? That, that's Peter. Uh, and that's how he was. He was bold. You know, this, this dude cut off people's ears. <laughs> it's kind of important. <laughs> Had that conversation with Mike this morning. <laughs> he said, he cut off somebody's ear, but that's because he was swinging for his head. <laughs> and they dodged it, took his ear off. And I was like, that's Peter. He's like, in Jesus' name, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm going to protect him. That was his whole thing. Think about his entire life. I mean, this guy was... Uh, he died crucified upside down because he, he said he wasn't good enough to be crucified the same way as Christ was crucified. That's somebody after his heart. That's somebody who truly understands who he is. But he was the first preacher to bring the gospel to the Jews in Jerusalem. That's who he was. And he was a fisherman. He spent his days out on the boat catching fish to feed his family. This wasn't somebody who was raised in the right family and raised in church and all that stuff. I mean, did he know the word? Yeah, I mean, he knew God. He knew of God. I mean, he knew stuff, but this guy was a fisherman. Um, What else did he do? Pentecost. Um, What he did, I love in Pentecost, he stood fearlessly and told thousands gathered around him that they had denied the Holy One of God and crucified the Messiah. This is somebody with boldness that's willing to go in front of the Jews and say, you crucified him. You did it. Thank you. Come on. This guy was not a favor for people. Like, I think some people absolutely loved him, <laughs> but I think other people didn't like him so much because this was the guy that was going to voice his opinion and tell you about things. But 50 days prior to that, 50 days, just 50 days prior to Pentecost, man, he denied him three times. So how can somebody who is a fisherman 
that encounters Jesus, drops everything to follow him, <laughs> end up so confused through the walk, spends three years with him, three years with Jesus. You know how much Jesus was doing? Read the end of John. If you read the book of John in the end of John, it tells you that we can't even, like, we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't have, there's not enough books to write all the miracles that, that Jesus did when he was on earth. So what we see is very little. What you're reading about is minute to what Jesus actually did. And Peter got to be there. He got to watch it. This is somebody who had firsthand encounters with him watching this. And in three years, he goes from, I'm dropping everything to I quit. If that can happen to Peter, can it happen to you? So this is what hit me. So I started reading this morning. I said, let's read more about Peter. I mean, he understood who Jesus was. Right? But he never gave up. He got tired. He had some issues. But he finished the race. And he had one thing in common with what I like to say is don't waste your grace. Don't waste the grace of God because it was valuable. What God did for you, what Jesus, I'm sorry, what Jesus did for you, the grace of God, what Jesus did for you on the cross is too valuable to waste. And what do I mean by waste? That what I mean by waste is that you literally receive from him, you get changed internally and you do nothing with it. Nothing. That's a waste. Man, that's good for you, but he didn't put that inside of you so you can sit around and go, man, I just can't wait till I die so I can go to heaven. When he says, my kingdom's gonna come now. My kingdom wants to come here to earth, right? So don't waste his grace. Ah. Let's see, what did I wanna read in this? I think, I, first, I, I, he told me to, so I went here, so I'll go to 1 Peter 2, 9. This is just probably one of my favorite verses out of Peter. So um, I'm going to read it out of two versions. I'll read it out of the Passion, and I'll read it out of the NLT. First Peter um, 2, 9. It says, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet. But now you are drenched with it. <laughs> Come on. In Aramaic, that means that mercies cascade over you. You are drenched. Let me read that from the NLT. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. So he possesses you. He owns you. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into, this, into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you 
You received no mercy and now you've received God's mercy. stop there because I wanted to go on to 11 because it just keeps going but I... so Peter went from nothing to a disciple that changed the world okay but he believed this this is what he believed he believed this wholeheartedly but he also struggled with things right if you really look at Peter he struggled with things he he started hanging out with the Gentiles and doing wonderful things with him with them and he was like i'm good i don't need to follow all the laws i'm jewish but it don't matter because i love you guys then his jewish friends come around he's like i can't eat with them uh, i got to eat with you guys i'm not holy enough now so see peter was confused he was bold in some things and not bold in others right so even peter the one that wrote this stuff dealt with things like dealt with things going on in his life he fought people he left people behind he gave up his possession of his whole profession to follow Jesus. Right? Gave it all up. Gave up his identity as a fisherman to follow Jesus. But then put on a whole new one. So he was transformed. He was transformed by so many encounters. It was unbelievable. And I think he's one of those people that it took a whole bunch. <laughs> Other people probably don't need that much. But I'm thinking Peter was still rough at the end of this. Like, and I'm thinking about all the stuff he dealt with and all the times he was with Jesus and everything he saw. And he was still rough at the end. Where other people, you're like, well, how'd that guy come out so good? And that was a shorter period. Like, I don't know. We all get it at a different rate, y'all. It's a heart posture. Right? It's a heart posture. But here's what I know. Obedience can usher in the supernatural encounters. So obedience is the key. Encounters lead, here's the thing, it's like a circle. Encounters lead to obedience, right? And then obedience usher in supernatural encounters. So, so as we keep this thing moving, it keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. So when God wants you to do something, do it. And then he'll bring more encounters. And then he'll speak to you in a different way. And then you do it. And then it's more encounters. And pretty soon it's happening fast. You're not waiting so long. You're not searching so hard. All of a sudden, it's just like one after the next, right? And the whole time you're being transformed. Each one of those encounters transform you. Each one of those fill you up with light. So you're starting to glow more. You're starting to look different. You're starting to act different, talk different, right? The gifts of the Spirit are flowing out of you, right? People go, why are you so joyful? <laughs> I, don't, I, I couldn't fit them all on a page. I don't know. I have so many reasons to be happy and not angry. I can be joyful in anything and not be angry. It's a choice. All right, so let's go to Luke 1. Luke 1, 11. This is where he, I just, I just like reading this stuff, so let's read it. Luke 1, 11. Oh, Luke 5, 1, 11, I'm sorry. They corrected me this morning. They came this morning, and I threw it out there, and she goes, you really didn't tell me. You said you're going to read all the way Luke 1 through 11? And I was like, no, good point, good catch. No, Luke 5, 1 through 11. My glasses are here somewhere. Picking on my glasses back there. Why are you laughing in church? We don't laugh in church. <laughs> call 
you out if you laugh. Don't lie now. You ain't lying. That's right. I'm a grandpa. All right. Luke 5, 1 through 11. It says, On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to the crowds on the shore of Lake Galilee. There was a vast multitude of people pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge with the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat. Push it off, push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out to deep water to cast your nets and you will have a great catch. Master, Peter replied, we just came back. We just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. So let me stop right there. We're on, what was that? We're going into verse five. So stop right there. So we're looking at this. And when I'm reading this about Jesus, he's sitting on his boat. So the first thing is Peter's like, all right, who's the dude on my boat? (laughs) Like, I got nothing else to do. Sure, I'll just push it off the shore a little bit so people don't bother you anymore and you have, everybody can hear you. So he lets them do that. But then he says, now go to the deeper water and cast your net. Now Peter starts questioning him. This is the first time he encounters him. So Peter's already questioning him on the first encounter. He's like, bro, we just came back from there. I'm a fisherman, you're not. Right? He goes, I just came back from there. I'm not going back out. That's his first thought. Think about this. this. This guy's preaching the word of God, but he's still like, I don't, I don't know who you are, but you're in my boat, all right? So he's doubting him right off the bat. That's his response to Jesus telling him to do something. His response to obedience, to obey, was no, but okay, right? No, but okay. Goes on to uh, verse five. It says, Master, Peter replied, We've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, uh, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish, so much that their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners in the other boat for help, and they ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, master, for I'm a sinful man. Hmm. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. Jesus answered, do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. For now on, you will catch men for salvation. After pulling the boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. Okay, so it took a miracle which was a miracle to him. He's like, I, do, I was just out there fishing all night long. Chances are for a very long time, several days in a row, I've caught nothing. The word was good. Sure, I'll go out there. But now he sees a catch in the same spot he was fishing before. So his miracle was the fish. That's all it took for Peter to go, you are God. Because I know how hard it is to fish. 
right? So we all have a miracle. We all have an encounter inside of us uh, that we can remember when Jesus stepped on the scene and it looked different to everybody, right? And Peter, that's the one that got Peter where he needed to go. So you need to start remembering your encounter. What, what was it with you? What was that moment with you that, that you said, I'm gonna drop everything. Like this is for real. I'm dropping everything to follow you. I'm gonna get rid of everything. I'm gonna do whatever you ask me to do. Because if you hadn't experienced that yet, get ready. Because he's fixing to ask you some things. He's fixing to do some stuff in you. But it's gonna take a yes. It's gonna take that encounter right? And if it's the first one, oh man, I just got to tell you, just hang on. Because it gets good after that. The first one's a little struggle, but every other time he comes and asks you to do something, it gets easier and easier and easier and more powerful. Man, that's how he works. All right, so let's go to his um, last encounter with Jesus. Let's go to John 21, 1 through 14. Now, this is after Jesus was crucified, so he's gone, right? He's gone. And the last thing Jesus tells them to do when he encounters them, after that, he tells them to do what? He says, go to Jerusalem and wait. He says, go there and wait. Right? He's telling them the Holy Spirit's coming. So I need you to go hang out until the Holy Spirit comes. So don't do anything. Go wait. Just hang out there. Something good is fixing to happen. That's what he's saying. All right? So let's pick this up in John. That's actually in Luke. Um, but let's pick this up in John. It says, Later, uh, Jesus appeared once again to a group of his disciples by Lake Galilee. So once again, this is Peter, res or this is Jesus resurrected. Right? He's already been crucified. He's gone. These guys have experienced it. They watched it. They said, This can't happen. How is Jesus gone? That's why he continues to encounter people. It says, It happened one day while Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel from uh, Cana in Galilee, Jacob, John, and the two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, Well, we'll, we'll go with you. So they went out and fished through the night and caught nothing. So I'll stop there. <laughs> they were instructed by Jesus to go to Jerusalem and wait. Be still. Sit at my feet. Wait on what's coming. But Peter, because he's so obedient <laughs> and outgoing, he doesn't want to wait. Right? I, I don't believe that's all it was. I believe Peter started losing faith. And he said, I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going to go back to my old identity. I know who I was when he was here and I know what I got to experience and I got to see so much that everybody else didn't see and that was awesome, but now he's gone. Now what? And he says, it's time to put my hands back to the fire. It's time to put my hands back to the plow. It's time to put my hands back to go back to what I know how to do, right? And he goes right back to fishing and then brings people with him. And Jesus didn't say go fishing. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. So they went fishing. 
Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore. But the disciples didn't realize that it was him. He called out to them saying, Hey guys, did you catch any fish? Not a thing, they replied. Jesus shouted to them, Throw your net over the starboard side and you'll catch them. And so they did as he said, and they caught so many fish they couldn't even pull in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him and, and because he was athletic, I'll define that in a second, he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. I'll stop there. Let's think about this. Man, I don't know what to do with my glasses. So here he has this. So let's go back to that one if I can. There we go. Dang it. All right. So here's the thing. They go out fishing. Everybody's going fishing with them. They all went out with them. Jesus shows up. He's standing on the shore, but none of them recognize and realize it's him. They don't know it's him. Okay, so keep that in mind. They don't even recognize him anymore. He called out to them saying, hey guys, did you catch any fish? Not a thing. So now they're talking to him and they don't hear him. Jesus shouted to them, throw your net to the starboard side and you'll catch some. He's trying to give them a hint. Like I told you this before. And so they did as he said and they caught so many fish they couldn't even pull up the net. This is twice. I know it's been three years since this has happened to them. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. You know what Simon Peter means? What's the meaning of Simon Peter? The one who hears. That's what Simon means. The one who hears. The one who hears didn't hear. Do you get this? The one who's supposed to hear Jesus' voice didn't hear him because he was so distracted with everything going on in life He's already disobeying him. He's already not doing what he said. And now the world's coming at him. He's out fishing. They're still not catching fish. He doesn't even hear. The one that is built to hear, the one that's named after hearing, can't even hear the Lord. But the one whom Jesus loved, who is John, who is the same one that sat on his lap and put his head to his chest and listened to the heartbeat of Jesus. He knew exactly who it was. The one that was closer, the one that was intimate,